If you have your Bibles, go ahead and open to 2 Corinthians chapter number 8, and we're going to continue our series on the uh, basics in the Christian life, getting back to basics. And uh, if you need the notes this morning, go ahead and just raise your hand and the ushers will get uh, one to you in case you forgot to pick them up as you were walking in. And as I say every week, the notes just help us to uh, follow along in the study as we read and as we examine what God's Word teaches. And especially this morning as we begin to examine what does God say about giving. And uh, in 2 Corinthians chapter number 8 teaches us a lot about uh, what it means to give as a Christian, and that's why we titled today's message Christian Giving, because when a Christian gives, it's different than just the normal way that maybe others would give. It's different than how the government gives. It's different than how uh, nonprofit organizations give, though some nonprofits are of course, churches and Christians, but not all of them are. And there is a difference in how we give. And so 2 Corinthians chapter number 8 really teaches us a lot about that. Now, I want to say this morning that we're going to be studying two weeks on this topic of giving today, uh, today, this morning, and also next week. And reason being, we want to take some time in this first month to really, to really look at uh, this area of stewardship in our life. Now, if you've been attending our English service in the last five years, you know that normally it's in March that I, I'll speak more on giving, but uh, this year uh, we just felt led to take really two weeks to do that here at the beginning, at the very beginning of the year, and talk about what it is to be giving and then what it is that we are giving to. So uh, this morning we're going to talk about what giving really is all about for a Christian, and then next week we're going to be talking about what we're giving towards as a church and laying out a little bit more of a vision for that and giving us an opportunity to actually start participating in that and, and start making some promises to God this year that we're going to be faithful in this area of giving and what we're going to promise to give. And so next week, we're going to have an opportunity to do that. But this week and next week, we're going to be talking about that, all right? So if you would, I, I hope you'll be praying for me this morning as we study God's Word together, but then also be praying for next week as to what God would lead you to do when it comes to getting involved in giving uh, for this year. So I'll be praying for those two things. Second Corinthians chapter number 8, though. We'll look at verses number one all the way down to verse number nine. 2 Corinthians chapter number eight, we'll be reading verses number one down to verse number nine in today's passage. It says, moreover, brethren, uh, we do you to wit of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia, how that in a great trial of affliction... The abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded under the riches of their liberality. For to their power I bear record, yea, and beyond their power, they were willing of themselves, praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of the ministering of the saint to the saints. And this they did, not as we had hoped, but first gave their own selves to the Lord and unto us by the will of God. Insomuch that we desired Titus that as he had begun, so he would also finish in you the same grace also. Therefore, as ye abound in everything, in faith and utterance and knowledge and in all diligence and in your love to us, 
See that ye abound in this grace also. I speak not by commandment, but, but by occasion of the forwardness of others, and to prove the sincerity of your love. For ye know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be rich. Let's pray. Father, as we jump into this study here in 2 Corinthians, I, I first of all pray that you would fill me with your spirit. Help me, Father, to communicate the message you have laid on my heart for your people this morning, that we would be receptive to your word, that we would be sensitive to your spirit, and that we would be completely focused and dialed in this morning to what we are studying and to your word. I pray that you would take out any distractions that might be entering into our mind right now. Oh, how the devil likes to get us off track, how the devil likes us to, at this very hour and at this very time, try to get our minds wandering to other things. And so, Father, I pray that you would bind the devil and his demons and don't allow him to really steal the word and the seed of your word in our hearts this morning. And I pray that not only we would be able to understand your word, but that, Father, we would also apply it into our lives. That this morning we would understand what it means to give as a Christian and that we would also begin to practice giving as a Christian. Help us to do that this morning, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Well, perhaps the greatest basic truth, or at least one of the greatest basic truths in all the Bible, and yet the least talked about basic truth of the Bible is what we're studying this morning. I know there's always a little bit of nervousness with some people when you start talking about money. When you start talking about uh, our bank accounts or the funds that we have or what we've been blessed with, sometimes it can get a little bit, uh, I don't know, nerve-wracking because we kind of feel like that's a private area. We kind of feel that, well, I I'm not sure that that's anyone else's business. I mean, after all, it's my money, it's my account, it's, it's, it's what I have, and yet the reality is that giving is a basic truth of the Christian life that really is a secret to joy. It really shouldn't be something that makes us uncomfortable. Rather, it should be something that starts kind of getting us excited. It should be something that starts bringing a little bit of joy into our hearts and into our minds just as we start to even think about it. Because giving is a Christian idea. It's a divine truth. There was no giving before God. There will be no giving without God. God is never going to end, so I can't say after God. So there's no giving without God. There was no giving before God. The whole idea of giving is a divine idea. And it's really one of the secrets that gives joy to any Christian, to any follower of Christ. In fact, if you're lacking joy in your Christian life, I can almost guarantee it's because you're not giving in your life, because you're not practicing giving. It's just one of the things that really brings joy into the life of a person. It's just a basic truth of the Christian life. But you know, I have found that sometimes giving makes a better idea than a reality for some people. It's kind of like the, uh, the country preacher that I heard about. He was in his church, and he was talking about this of, of giving, and you know, as he was going along in the sermon, he was talking about how 
giving is from God, just like I've mentioned already. And he got into the passage of the Bible and he was explaining uh, to the people there of, of how much in, uh, giving is an important factor of their life, of their Christian walk. And, and about halfway through uh, the sermon, he, he said something like, now, now church, you know we've got somewhere to go. And if we're going to go there, we, we need to walk. And, uh, and the deacons were there in the, in the, in the front row, and, and they, were, they were just starting to feel the, the feeling of the Holy Spirit as he was preaching. And they said, yeah, preacher, we need to walk. Amen. I like that. And the preacher said, yes, yes. And he was getting a little bit more confident. And, and he continued preaching, and, and he said, now, once you start walking, we got to start moving. We got to start moving for, the, for God. We got to move like a church. And, and the deacons said, amen, pastor. Yes, we, we need to move. Let's move, pastor. Let's move. And the pastor said, amen, and he, he kept preaching a little bit further along in the message. He, he said, now, now when, you, when you start moving, you're going to build some momentum, and, and then we've got to start running. Uh, church, we've got to start running for God. And they said, amen, preacher, yeah, we need to run for God, run for God, amen. I like that, preacher. And the pastor was now, he was really, he was just feeling the Holy Spirit now. You know, as a preacher, sometimes that happens. You start getting real excited. You start hearing people get chattering and, and saying amen. And, and the preacher's uh, getting out his, his hanky there. And he said, now, now when, when you start moving and you start running, uh, God's going to help you to fly. And church, we got to fly. And, and the deacons and now all the members there, there's a, yes, pastor, we got to fly. We got to fly. Yes, pastor, we got to fly. And the pastor said, well, now, you know, it's going to take money if we're going to fly. And the deacon said, let it crawl, pastor, let it crawl, let it crawl. <laughs> you know, sometimes this of giving makes a better idea than a reality. But if you're going to experience joy in your Christian life, you got to make giving a reality. If it just stays as an idea then joy will just stay as an idea, but you'll never experience it. And so this morning as you read and as I try to expound as best as I can on this passage of 2 Corinthians chapter 8, just understand that here the Apostle Paul is talking about giving. He's trying to share with the church of Corinth this secret of joy that comes with giving. He wants them to understand, listen, uh, church at Corinth, it's not just an idea, it's a reality. It's not just something that sounds good, it's something that is good. It's not something that others need to do, it's something that you and I need to do. And so this morning, I want to share just three secrets that Paul gives about giving here from this passage. I want you to notice, first of all, that as Paul is writing here to the church at Corinth, he says, I want you to know, brethren, that we do you to wit. And that word wit is an old English word. I, I want you to understand, he means, understand of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. The first secret to giving in the Christian life is understanding the grace of God. Now, Paul is writing to this church in Corinth. Corinth was not in the area of Macedonian, but he's talking to them or writing to them about the churches in Macedonian. Now, the churches of Macedonian that we see in the Bible are the church that was at Philippi. So when you read the book of Philippians, that was written to the church that was at Philippi that was in the area of Macedonian. The church of Thessalonica 
was there in the area of Macedonia. When you read First uh, or Second Thessalonians, that's the letter going and written to a church in Macedonia. When you read about the church in the book of Acts, the church of Berea was another church in Macedonia. And this, these churches were thriving churches. These churches were churches that were, uh, were, were, were churches that were not just growing numerically, but they were growing spiritually. And they were experiencing a lot of joy in their churches. In fact, the book of Philippians, its theme is joy. Paul really writes to them about the joy of the Christian life. To those in Thessalonica, especially in 2 Thessalonians, he talks about the joy of the Lord Jesus Christ returning uh, for us. And, and, and so uh, they were a, 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 a church that was really anticipating that, that was really ready for that to happen. And when you read about the church in Berea, you, you find that they just loved the scriptures. In fact, they said every time that they would, uh, someone would come to their church and preach the word of God like Paul did, they would receive the word and then they would go back and search the scriptures. And they just loved, they were in love with the word of God. They, they wanted to know more. They weren't just going to take the preacher's word for it, though they did receive the word with gratefulness and with love. But then they wanted to go home and just continue reading. Now, of course, they didn't have the scriptures like we have today in, in a little book form where they can color or, or on an iPad where they can go home the next day and just read it. But, but the little the little pieces of scripture that they had, the little parchments that they had, they kept with them and they, they went over them and over them and over them. These churches in Macedonian were churches that knew about the joy of the Christian life because of giving. But did you know that whether you were in Philippi or Thessalonica or in Berea, you were going to be facing trials and tribulation. Do you know that there was persecution happening in those churches? In fact, in Philippi is where the Philippian jailer got saved when Paul was put in prison. These were not cities that were welcoming the gospel into the cities. In fact, they were so mad in Philippi, for instance, because Paul won uh, uh, to the Lord, this girl that was demon-possessed, and what she would do would bring a lot of revenue to people and, and to the marketplace there where they were at. And when she got saved, she stopped uh, messing with witchcraft. She stopped messing with uh, these sorcerer things, and, and she changed her life around, and, and that just meant people were going to lose money, and they, they hated Paul for that. These weren't areas of, uh, of the world that were very receptive to the gospel, yet even in the midst of that persecution, they found joy. They found that they wanted to give. Do you know that the grace of God, when you begin to understand what it does and what it's doing, it ought to motivate you and me to give. As he's beginning to speak on this subject, Paul says, now I want you to understand as I start this, first of all, understand the grace of God. Because it's the grace of God that's helped the church at Philippi to give. It's the grace of God that's helped the church at Thessalonica to give. It's the grace of God that's helped the, the church of Berea to give. The grace of God as they understood that God had changed them. In fact, in, in the book of Thessalonians, you'll, you'll find that Paul says that they turned from idols to start worshiping God. I mean, everything changed for them. And in the midst of that transformation, they begin to give. 
Do you know the grace of God always leads us to give? And it doesn't just lead us to give when things are going well. Do you see the grace of God helps us to give in times of suffering? This church in Philippi, they were struggling. They were struggling to try to just stay safe. And they were, they were struggling to live out their faith in a practical way every day, knowing that by doing that, they could get arrested. By doing that, they could end up in jail. By doing that, some harm may come to their family or to themselves. And yet, they decided, even in the midst of that, we need to give. We need to give. You see, the grace of God leads us to give, even in times of suffering. I think if there was anyone that could have had an excuse not to give, it's the people of Philippi. If there was any one person that had the excuse not to give, it would be the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul, in the book of Corinthians, shares with them how many times he was beaten. Three times. He was in jail. He was stoned to, the, uh, to death at one point, I believe, there in Lystra. He was, he was a man that was shipwrecked. He was a man that knew what it was to go hungry. He, he was a man that knew what it, what it meant to, uh, to, to be in prison and abandoned and alone. And if there was anyone that could have had a good excuse not to give, it was the Apostle Paul. But you know, on the last message that he had as a free man, it's in, Exodus, in Acts chapter 20. You can read the whole chapter there. He's talking to uh, just different members of different churches that he helped establish. And, and at the end of that message, just, these were his last words on that message before he prayed with them and then went to Rome and went to prison. Notice what he says in Acts chapter 20. I put it in your notes, verse 35. He said, I have showed you all things, how that so laboring ye ought to support the weak and to remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he said it is more blessed to give than to receive. Paul said, I'm going to my death. I'm, I'm appealing to Caesar. They're sending me to Rome, but more than likely Nero's not going to say, oh, okay, you're okay. The emperor Nero, he knew, was either going to burn him at a stake or do something else, but he was taking his life. And as he's marching to martyrdom, Paul's last words to his friends and those members of that church was, hey, don't forget to give. Give to those that are weak. Give to those that are in need. Just don't forget that Jesus himself said it's more blessed to give than to receive. Can I say that trials and difficulties are never a good reason not to give? I, like you, understand that 2020 wasn't the greatest financial success the United States has ever known. It's, it's amazing that from 20, really 17, 2018, and 2019, the GDP was, uh, was growing quite a bit here in this country. Jobs were, I mean, just every month by the hundreds of thousands were growing. And then suddenly in 2020, it all stopped. Suddenly, by the hundreds of thousands, people are losing their jobs. And if there was any time where the church of God could have had an excuse to say, listen, times are tough. We can't really give right now. It would have been last year. And maybe even how this year is going. But you know that trials and difficulties are never a good reason not to give. In fact... Paul says, when these circumstances come, God gives you more grace to give. 
See, that's why it's, under, it's so important to understand the grace of, of God. A Christian understands the grace of God to say, listen, um, I know it's tough. And I, and I know right now I don't have a lot. But by the grace of God, I'm going to give. Because God's given me that grace. You see, the grace of God transforms our thinking. It transforms our purpose. It transforms our life completely. That in the time when everybody else is saving their money, Christians are giving their money. In the time when everybody is saying, ah, let me get my money out and, and put it in a safe place, Christians are to take that money out and give it to those in need. You say, but even in the, in, the, in the difficult financial times that we live in, even in the difficult financial times that you live in. Because that's how you get through them with joy. You want to get on the other side of all of this, being happy about being a Christian, being happy about life, being happy about where we are as a nation. And let me tell you something, I'm not really happy with where we're at politically. But man, I am happy with what God is doing. I know it's hard to believe. We think, man, church attendance has gone down all over the country. And that may be true. But I'll tell you, in 2020, we sure saw the faithfulness of God. And personally, I saw the faithfulness of God's people. We shared a financial report, I believe it was last week or maybe two weeks ago. And our giving hardly dropped and in some months last year actually went up. What does that mean, Pastor? It means that the grace of God led you and led me to say, right now is not a time to stop giving, it's a time to keep giving. Because it's the secret to joy. Because the grace of God has allowed us to give. But you know, the grace of God not only helps us to give in a time of suffering, it helps us to, to give in times of scarcity. You see, these churches in Macedonia weren't just churches that were experiencing persecution. They were also poor churches. Uh, look, at Paul, look what Paul says in verse number two. He says, how that in great trial of affliction, right, in suffering, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded. Uh, this, the, these were churches that didn't have a lot of money in them. These were not like rich centers uh, of uh, commerce there for them. They weren't churches with huge temples and facilities and money just coming in every day. That's not the kind of church that it was, not the kind of members that were there at, that, at those churches during that time. They were just ordinary people trying to make it through. And though they didn't have a lot of money, they said the grace of God has led us that even with the little that we have, we ought to give. See, the grace of God helps you to give in times of scarcity. In times when there's not a lot of cash coming through. When the bank account's not really the biggest that it's ever been. Yet, you can still give. Paul there in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 shares that with them. The first letter that he sends to them. He said, man, I was persecuted. I was doubted. I was criticized, but he said, by the grace of God, I am what I am. By the grace of God, I do what I do. 
It's the grace of God has allowed me that, uh, to be content with little. It's the grace of God that allows me to sing in prison when everybody else is complaining and suffering. We find Paul singing. Why? Where does that joy come from? It comes from understanding the grace of God. You see, when you understand the grace of God, you can become a giver. And that giving in your life through times of suffering and through times when there's not a whole lot that perhaps you have, God gives you joy. God suddenly begins to bless you. It strikes me, and I'll touch on this in the next point, but do you know the, that what Paul's telling them to give to, by the way, just so you have some broader context, is for the church at Jerusalem, the city where Christianity started. The church started there in Jerusalem, where there was a church at one point, some scholars believe maybe 20 to 40,000, maybe even 100,000 people as part of it. And now, a couple decades later, suddenly they're the ones in need. Suddenly they're the ones that are in trouble. But, but they were... Uh, a people in a church there in Jerusalem that wasn't really having their eyes on what the needs of others were, their eyes on themselves. And yet we see this church in Macedonia, the, the church of Philippi and Thessalonica and Berea saying, yeah, I know we don't have much, but Paul, we want, we want to, we want to give. Because we found so much joy in that, Paul. Don't you understand they're saying, Paul, the grace of God doesn't allow us not to give. If you're going to become a Christian giving person, it begins with understanding the grace of God. But secondly, it continues with being extravagant in generosity. Notice what he says in verse 3. He says, for to their power I bear record, yea, and beyond their power they were willing of themselves, praying us with much entreaty that we should receive the gift and take upon us a fellowship of the ministering to the saints. Paul said, not only did they do what they could, they did beyond what they could do. They were extravagant in their generosity. You know, when it comes to giving, God has never been one to be shy about giving. Do you know that God never gives of his leftovers? He always gives his best. Always. There's never a time where God says, well, I'm kind of tired of giving here, so I'll give the scraps. God never does that. You know, we have a saying uh, as Americans, and maybe you've heard it. Right? We always say, go big or go home, right? And the whole idea is, hey, be extravagant. If you're going to an event and, and you're, you're the one that's planning it or, or, or someone else is planning it, if you hear them say you need to go big or, or go home, if you tell that to them, what you're saying is this event needs to be like amazing. This, uh, this event needs to be, as teens would say, 
three years ago, needs to be lit. Right? I know it's not even the word anymore. I don't know what y'all moved on to, but, you know, it used to be off the hook. It used to be, well, in the 90s it was different. But it needs to be extravagant is what we mean by that. And God is like that. In fact, I found this video, and I just, it just blew my mind about God. And I hope it will play. So let's see if we can play this video real quick. It's like two and a half minutes. So I'll, uh, I'll stay silent if it does once it starts playing. Because it was, um, it's just talking about our creation and our universe. And it just made me think about how God just doesn't do anything small. God doesn't give in just small portions and in insignificant ways. God always gives in a, in a mighty way. God always gives in, in a massive way. Yes, go ahead and play it if you... If, it's not there? Great. Now it didn't import. And I can't remember what the video was. Well... You can look it up on YouTube, I guess. Uh, and I can't remember the title of it. That way you could, uh, well, at the end of service, maybe I'll do that. We'll, we'll say. If I have time, it's almost 12, so we're not going to have too much time. But in this video, you can look it up on YouTube. It, it basically goes with the size of the moon all the way to the size of the largest star that we know of. It's called uh, Major... Canis, I think, or something like that. It is, in circumference, really big. To give you a little bit of a perspective on it, the earth is about 24,000 miles or so in circumference, right? If you're going to fly around our earth, you'd be flying about 24,000 miles if you start and made a circle all the way back. The largest star is about 2 billion in fact, they said if you could basically go at uh, 900, if you could get on a plane and just try to do the circumference of that star going about 900 kilometers uh, per second, and that's moving pretty quick, they said it would take about 1,100 years to go around it once. And that's just the biggest star in our galaxy that we know of, the Milky Way. There's literally billions of galaxies that are too numerous to count. How big the stars are in those galaxies, we have no idea. In fact, every time we make a telescope, all we see is that there's more galaxies and more stars. If I could say it this way, God went big. He didn't go home. God is extravagant in his giving. And when you begin to understand the grace of God in your life, it leads you to be extravagant in your generosity. Because you see, the grace of God lets us and allows us to see who God really is. And not just see what God kind of does, not just to see something else. Is it going to work? Oh, it's going to work. Oh, my goodness. Okay. Watch this video. It's going to blow your mind. All right. Go ahead. We'll play it really quick here. I think there's music to it, but okay.
<laughs> what a great reminder that we are not the center of the universe, but really what it's a good reminder of is how extravagant God's giving is. He didn't just give us a little earth. He gave us a massive universe. And it leads me to think that Paul, as he's writing to this church at Corinth, he's just telling them, I want you to know something, church, that even in their deep poverty, the church of Philippi was in and Thessalonica, he said they gave not only to what they could in their power, but beyond their power. They were just trying to be extravagant in their generosity. And then I think it's amazing that when you're extravagant in your generosity, it does not require any coercion. You know what coercion is, right? Like someone putting a gun to your head and saying, you better give me that money. They're coercing you a little bit to get that money, threatening you, making you understand if you don't, here are some consequences. You know, God's never asked us like that because God doesn't give that way. I, Paul makes the, the point here in verse number four. They were begging me to give. These churches who I thought, man, uh, you know, I love you uh, people at Philippi, but you just don't make a whole lot of money. Y'all, y'all don't have a whole lot to give. You're, you're getting persecuted all the time. And they said, no, 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 Paul, 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 whoa, 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 whoa. The grace of God, Paul, we've seen it. Paul, the grace of God is leading us, and we want, listen, please, let us be a part of this. Paul didn't have to say, well, if you're not, just just don't be surprised when they come and arrest you. Paul was not threatening. Paul was saying, you know, that's what the grace of God does. It leads you to be extravagant in your generosity. That only comes from a willing heart. Exodus chapter 35 and verse 5, when God was collecting for the, for the uh, uh, tabernacle there, he asked the people, he told Moses, tell the people to bring. And he says, tell them whosoever is of a willing heart, let him bring. And then it goes on through this whole list, gold, silver, and brass were just the beginning. You can read the whole list there in Exodus 35. And it says in verse 29, and they gave with a willing heart. David did the same thing in his day, and in fact, at one point had to say, okay, stop, we have too much. And let me just say, I am proud of the way that our church has responded during this time, and we have been giving, but we're not nearly anywhere where we can say, stop, it's too much. I can't. I'd like to get there. Maybe we will get there one day. But listen, until then, with a willing heart, Let's be extravagant in our generosity. That means we're not going to be coerced into giving. We we ought to be saying, I want to give. So you see, this kind of giving not only requires a a willing heart with with no coercion to it, but it also requires us to be selfless. They were giving what they had, and Paul says not only did they give of what they had, it started first, by the way, by giving of themselves. There in verse number five, Paul said, it starts when you give of yourself. Once you give yourself to the will of God, then your possessions mean nothing. Not that they are nothing. There's no one in here that says, oh, I I don't need a car. We all need cars. 
I don't need a phone. We all need phones. Not that your possessions are nothing, but they don't have the same meaning at the end. When you're extravagant in your generosity, it comes as a result of saying, you see, I really am not the center of the universe, as they said. It becomes something selfless. And, and it's amazing. I just want to go back to the context of what they're giving to Jerusalem. Let me tell you something about the church at Jerusalem. Not only had they lost their vision of wanting to give to others, and we're going to look at this next week, but not only had they lost that vision, but for the most part, it was a church that was very, I don't know if the word racist is the right word, but if you weren't Jewish, you weren't one of them. They're really exclusive. They said, no, no, no. Christianity started in our city. This is our religion. And they thought so much of themselves that God had to teach them that they really don't know about the grace of God. And God took what they thought were impure people, what they thought were people God would never use them. God went to the Gentile world and use them to teach that church in Jerusalem. In other words, if I can put it this way, the churches of Macedonia were given to people that didn't even like them very much. But you see, it wasn't about that. They weren't given to Jerusalem saying, okay, are you going to accept us now? Hey, can we be part of you now? And, and, and can we join this little clique here? It wasn't that at all. Extravagant generosity isn't tied with strings at giving. It's not. They were so selfless that they said, hey, listen, even if we benefit nothing from this, even though we're giving to people that really don't think we're all that great, it's okay because we've learned that the grace of God has changed our life. And just like God gave us what we have, because God went big for us, we're going to be going big for others. And it changed everything. They were selfless. You don't get there without being selfless. The greatest example of that is Jesus in Philippians chapter 2, but time is getting away. So read that maybe on your own study there, but Philippians chapter 2, you find that Jesus gave it all. I want to give you the third secret, and then we'll get out of here. First of all, it starts with understanding the grace of God if you're going to be a Christian giver. Then it leads to being extravagant in your generosity, and then lastly, it ends with acting in love. By the time you get to verse number seven, Paul says, therefore, someone said, whenever you get to the word therefore in your Bible, ask yourself, why is that therefore? Well, what's that word therefore? It's there because Paul is saying, what I've told you should lead you to this ultimately, acting with love. In other words, don't leave it as an idea, make it a reality in your life. I know it sounds good, and we think, man, that, that sounds awesome. Good for the church of Philippi. But you know what God wants today? He wants the church at Bethany Baptist Church in Mission, Texas to do the same. He wants us to understand the grace of God has changed us. He wants us to understand that we are to be extravagant in our generosity. Understanding what that means, and now go and do it. Don't just know it. Don't just be do. You see, when you act in love, you'll do this by 
following the earnestness of others. The, the word here in the, in the King James Version is the forwardness by the occasion of the forwardness of others. But really, the, that I, the idea of that phrase is the earnestness, the excitement, the fervor. He was saying, listen, the people of Macedonia, they're the churches there. They're not just giving with a smile. And saying, hey, here you go. They were. They had a smile on their face. They had joy. But he's saying it was more than that. There was a love and a fervor behind it. That fervor was lighted by the love of God. And he said, you church at Corinth, you should do that. Listen, I know if you know the, a little bit about the church at Corinth, you know they were, they were big on gifts. They were big on talents. We've been learning that in, in the youth group. They were big on, on show, but they were only about an inch deep. A mile wide and an inch deep. You've heard that saying. It wasn't much there. And Paul said, listen, learn from the, church, the churches of Macedonia. They were deep in their giving because of the love that they had. A fervor that was there from God's love. The author of Hebrews says this in Hebrews 10, 24. Let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves as some men do. He said, just remember this thing of giving. It's to provoke this thing of love that God's given you. is to provoke to do good works, to give more and to do more. To be more generous in that way. Can I say the same is true today? We're supposed to give with the same love and the same earnestness as they did when they gave. You know, love's never afraid of a test. Paul said, this is to test your faith. There's a story of a man that was once lost in the desert and as he was wandering around, he came to a, a little shack in the middle of the desert there. And we went to the shack and he walked in. He actually found a, a big 64-ounce gas station size bowl of water. Not just a cup. You've seen these 64-inch ones. Like, they're like extra large from Whataburger size cups full of water but there was a note next to it, and this guy was thirsty. I mean thirsty. He had been wandering for a week. He, he, he really was already, you know, seeing visions. He was so tired and so starved and thirsty. But there was a little note there that said, there's a pump out back. This cup of water is used to prime the cup, uh, prime the pump. If you use the water to prime the the pump, you'll be able to fill it up with water as many times as you want. And then it said, and when you're done drinking, fill up the cup once again and leave it there for the next person. And that man had a choice to make at that moment. Either he was going to go and prime the pump or he was going to drink the water all to himself there. But if he was to drink the water all to himself, he could only enjoy it once, and it was over. You know, you and I have the same choice today. God gives you and me 
resources and blessings, and we can either use this life to drink it all in for ourselves, or we can believe him that there's more in the well. That if we just use it on others, God will give us more. But the choice is yours and mine. You see, when you act in love, you'll follow the earnestness of others. I'm sure that guy was happy that someone before him left that cup of water where he could prime the pump. Can I say giving in this church is for that next generation? We need to prime the pump. College students, prime the pump. Teens, prime the pump. Oh, but I only, I only get an allowance for like 20 bucks a week. Prime the pump. Trust me, there's more in that well. There's more there. Not only acting in love by following the earnestness of others, but by following the example of Christ. Look in verse number 9. He says, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, how, he says, how, though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that ye, through his poverty, might be rich. There's never been another person with truer motives, with greater love, nor anyone that ever gave as much as the Lord Jesus Christ. And Paul points to him. Hey, church at Corinth, if the Macedonian churches aren't good enough for you to follow, then follow Christ. Look what he did. Look what he gave for you. At one point, Jesus said in his ministry, he said, the foxes have holes and the birds have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. You see, giving starts and ends with Christ. You can't be a Christian giver without having Christ. And this morning you might say, man, this sounds great. And man, I love to live that and I love to experience the joy of that. But the first step you need to take is accepting Christ as your Savior. This morning you'll never experience joy without Him. Paul said, look to Him. The grace of God only comes through him, for by grace are you saved through faith. Not, not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, lest any man should boast. It's the grace that Jesus Christ has bestowed upon us, but until you receive that grace into your life, you'll never be able to impart it to others. So this morning, I want you to be challenged by this truth here of giving. I say, if you're not giving and if you've never received Christ, make today that day. We've learned what it means to be a giver. A Christian giver starts with understanding the grace of God. It continues by being extravagant in our generosity. But that should all lead us to action and acting with love. Can I ask you something this morning? Can you say that you're a giver? As God describes what it means to be a giver. Could someone say of you, I can just say, they're not perfect, they're not everything, but they are givers. Let me encourage you this morning. As now we have been made aware of what giving means as a Christian. Can I challenge you in 2021? Let's be a giver. Let's be a giver. 
to allow the grace of God to work in our lives, to transform us so that we might live and act in love. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word and for your truth. Thank you, Father, for the reality of joy that comes in giving. The fact of the matter is, Father, we know that we can't experience it without you. I pray that this morning, as we think about who we are and how we've lived, as we look back at 2020 and as we look forward in this year of 2021, I pray that it might be said of this church, that this church is full of members that are givers. Oh, that we might be able to experience the joy that comes with giving. Oh, Father, I pray you touch the hearts of your people today. And may what we have learned lead us to act differently than what we were. Father, there's so much that you have for us, for this church. Oh, I pray that before time runs out, we'd be able to accomplish all that you're calling us to do. And there's people in our city that need us to give. And there's people in our family that need us to give. Oh, help us to be givers. That we might honor and glorify you, trust you, walk with you. And that we might experience the joy that comes with giving. I ask this, Father, in Jesus' name, amen.